And uh, I want to just begin by saying God is real. And, uh, and that's kind of like, that's our starting point here. That's where everything begins. In one sense, that's where it all ends, with the reality of God. And we sang a, we've sang a lot about it this morning. And some of those, if you're not used to church world, and we sing some weird stuff sometimes, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, there's some wonderful poetry, but it's not very accessible sometimes. And we sing about Yahweh, sometimes we use the name Jehovah. I think, what is that all about? You know, in the Old Testament, God, when he's speaking to some of the first people who he ever kind of communicated directly with, he, some of the very first, he, he kind of tells them his name. He says his name is I am. And when we write that in Hebrew, I am, uh, it's four letters, Y-W-Y-H-W-H. And uh, in the way that Hebrew is written down, you have to fill in the, the, the vowels yourself. And so we can fill those in, either make that Yahweh, or we can fill that in and make that Jehovah, either of those two things. And it's the very name of God. And this morning what we've been singing is about this God, and we've named him. The God who speaks to people. The God who is real and is involved in our lives. There's been this great meme, I don't know if you've seen it, that's been going around. An atheist was, uh, was, had written this kind of little quote, and it was supposed to kind of mock Christians. And it kind of said, this is what Christians believe, that God created a universe that is 13 billion years old with 200 million galaxies and, sorry, 60 billion galaxies and 200 million stars in each one, and yet somehow he's interested in individuals' lives. And all the Christians have said, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you got it right. God is real, my friends, and he's involved in our lives. And that's the starting point, and that's, kind of why we're here today to do this, because the reality of that on us makes a change. I found that out first for me when I was 15 years old, and uh, I was, sorry, I just realized I've got a receipt in my pocket, which I need to give to the treasurer later, and I'm going to get in trouble if I baptize it, so just notice it's there. (laughs) And I realized at 15, by this amazing interaction with a guy, a one-off interaction where he told me four things that completely revolutionized my life, turned my life upside down, meant that I went from somebody who was full of anger and negativity to somebody who discovered what real life is. Somebody who'd gone from an experience of being you know, poorly parented and not really understanding some of the kind of authority and some of issues around care and stuff and finding a community of people who loved me and nurtured me, finding meaning and purpose because of these four things. I found it at 15. And At the heart of that was this understanding and this realization, finally the penny dropped for me, that God is real, that there really is a God. Um, And what we're doing here today is we're not saying how wonderful it is that Helen and Sue and Richard and Stacy have discovered a new philosophy that's working for them. That's not what we're saying. We're not even saying today how wonderful they've understood there's a spiritual dimension to life. We're not even saying that. What we're saying today is, isn't it amazing and how wonderful that Jesus, God in human form, who lived and died and lives again, has made himself known to them, has changed their lives. We're here today because we're marking they've had a personal encounter with a very real God. So if you're here today to support them, how wonderful. And we are so delighted that you are. And my hope and prayer is, if you're not on that journey with God today, that something might just touch you and make a penny drop and realize, my goodness, there really is a God. And here's the thing, if there really is a God, doesn't that change everything? 
Well, we've been thinking here in this series we've been doing recently called Shape, and the lovely picture is going to come off on the screen behind me in just a second. And in this series we've been doing called Shape, which we kind of drew to a close last week, but I said I'd pick up the threads this week and draw them together. We've been thinking about how this God, this God who I've just been speaking of, has designed us and has given each of us a unique purpose in life. And in this series, what we've been thinking about is uh, how we understand ourselves and get to know ourselves better, because when we do that, we can then begin to figure out what it is that God has made us to be. Many of us have this experience in life. In fact, I'll just check you're awake and we'll have a show of hands. How many of you in your life have at some stage felt like, you'll know this phrase, you were a round peg in a square hole? Anybody had that experience? You are a round peg in a square hole. Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? It happens to many of us. That sense of, I'm in the wrong place, I'm doing the wrong thing. This just doesn't fit who I am. There's like, in a fundamental way, I know I'm not in the place that I should be. It's not that it's a bad thing or a negative thing, it's just this isn't me. And we've been thinking over these last five weeks about, about what is me? What is my shape? Because when we figure out our shape, we can then say, oh, well, if I'm that kind of a person, this is what my life might look like. This is what a fulfilling life might look like. This is the kind of career I might choose. This is the kind of activities that I might find fulfilling. These are the places where God's going to use me if I get into that really sweet spot. And so we've been thinking over these last five weeks about this idea of shape, S-H-A-P-E, and S stands for spiritual gifts. So those are uh, abilities given, because God is a supernatural God, to people, things they couldn't do otherwise. Gifts of healing, and miracles, and prophesying, and doing incredible things. So that was the S. The H is heart. What are the things that are on our heart? What is it that really moves us? Where is our passion? What are the causes that we want to live for? What are the things that we want to change in the world? And the A is for abilities. There's things that we do naturally. We have a knack for all that we've developed within ourselves. Competencies and skills. The P was for personality, kind of like how are we wired? How do we react to other people and how do we react to opportunities when they come to us? And then the last one last week was the E and we were thinking about our experience, how we are shaped by all the things that we've gone through in life. And when we blend those things together, and I'm going to encourage you to do this in your life groups this week, you maybe can think of, if you review the whole thing, and, and if you haven't been here for the series, it's okay, you can catch up online, you can find our podcast from our website, go to uh, www.woodfordbaptist.org forward slash media, and that'll take you to where you can find our podcast, you can catch up on the whole series. But you should now, if you've been here for the whole series, be able to say, well I think my spiritual gifts are like this. These are the things that are in my heart. These are the abilities that I know I have. This is the kind of the way I'm wired, and these are my life experiences. Now, with all of that in the mix, what, what does that say about my life? And my longing and my desire is that we stop living compartmentalized lives where we have the work thing that we do and the home thing that we do and the church thing that we do and the social thing that we do and whatever it is, and just start seeing our lives as a whole, like the whole of our lives. So to help us with this, I've come up with an imagery. I wonder if anybody came properly equipped for the baptism service today. What do you think you need for a baptism service? Well, I kind of came, um, you know, I've got nothing in my pockets now that I've taken the receipt out. Receipt's gone. I do still have the wireless mic in my back pocket. So if you see me get into the pool and I've not taken my mic off, well, then I've got nothing in my pockets. I've got my great slip-on shoes, so I'm ready to go. That's it, I'm ready to go. 
Um, that's about all you need, isn't it? Well, I did wonder if I might need this today. And uh, so. Helen, you could go on this, and if I jump in first. <laughs> surfboard, it's a bodyboard. If it was a surfboard, it would be this big. I mean, like all the way to the ground, not, I'm not just lifting it. It'd be up here if it was a surfboard, but this is a, a bodyboard, and it works. There are several people in this room that have used this bodyboard uh, in joy, not in anger. It works. It works whether you're a really big guy like me, and it works if you're somebody who's slim and athletic like Jonathan Waterfield, it works. And I know it works because I've used it and Jonathan's used it and it, we caught waves and everything. I don't know, how, how do we know how the surfing, how one of these works? Anybody feel like they're really competent and could give us a demonstration? Or shall I give you an incompetent demonstration? I'll give you an incompetent demonstration then. So the idea is that this thing, it's got a lovely curve in it because it knew I've got a belly and it fits. <laughs> And you're standing there in the sea waiting. And there's your first test. The first test is, how brave are you? Our children over the years have been building up their bravery and their competencies. So Nathaniel, who is reckless, his frontal lobes are not fully developed yet, has no sense of danger, no sense of risk, says, we can go deeper. Come on, we can go deeper. And he'd be quite happily out of his depth waiting for some three-meter wave to crash over his head. Uh, the rest of us who've been doing this for a while, a little bit more sane. And then Hope, Hope is building up. Hope's my daughter, by the way. I'm not just picking on random kids. If you're a visitor, that's my son. And Hope is my daughter. Hope's building up her confidence. So she's quite happy to be in water. As long as she can get her feet on the ground and still feel like she could walk out, she's kind of, that's it. If your feet are off the ground, that's, that's just not for her. So, uh, so, so she's kind of in that water. So there's your first test. How, how deep do you like to go? And, uh, and the further out you go and the deeper you get, really, the chances are you're going to get a better wave. And if you're only in the shallow and the whole purpose is to catch a wave and then glide graciously and gracefully and wonderfully and beautifully to shore, or if, like me, and especially if you're wearing a wetsuit, you do a great impersonation of a dolphin beaching itself, um, <laughs> then uh, that's the idea. So if you're out quite a long way, then you catch a wave and you can go in quite a long way. You have a longer ride. You get this longer journey on the wave. It's great. So Hope catches waves, and they're kind of like up to just a little over her waist, and she'll be in the waves, and she'll catch those, and, and in she'll go. And uh, the rest of us happy to swim out a little bit into the deeper water, and then hopefully catch a wave. And, uh, and that's kind of how it works. It's, it's as easy as that. You can all do it now. You've had the lesson. Anybody want to borrow it? You can just... Of course, there's a little bit more to it than that. And the first thing you have to realize is, I talk about catching the wave, but really, it's the wave that catches you. It's the wave that you can't make the wave happen. Trust me, I've tried. I've like prayed for waves before. God, would you send a really good wave? I've been, everybody else has caught a great wave and gone in. I haven't caught, God, send one just for me. He doesn't do that. That's a prayer he doesn't answer, I've got to tell you. Um, you can't make the wave happen. You kind of have to just wait a little while and, and look at the signs around you. And what you definitely don't want to be is just kind of looking at the shore where you've come from. You need to be looking out to the sea a little bit and just watching. And as you watch out to sea for a little bit, you can watch where it is the waves are coming and you can kind of get the sense of what they look like just as they're starting to build. 
so that you can get yourself in just the right place. Because where you want to be is just as the wave is breaking, that's where you want to be. Just as it's breaking, you want to be catching it, leaning onto the board, kicking a little bit so that the wave catches you and the board and takes you all the way in. You see, there's a lot more to it than you realize. You can't make the wave happen. And it doesn't matter if you're big or if you're small, the wave's going to do what the wave's going to do. And if you can catch it and if it can catch you, then you have a tremendous ride. And I want to tell you that this shape stuff, it's just so much like this. It's so much like this. The shape is like, it's saying this is the stuff. This is who we are. This is the whole purpose and the destiny of this. When it was made, it doesn't have a spirit. It doesn't have a soul, don't worry. But it has a purpose. And what it has as a purpose is, is to catch waves with my tummy on them. That's what its purpose is now. It has a purpose, but it needs to be in the right place, and it needs to be in the right time, and it needs to be being attentive, and it needs to not be looking back at where it's come from, but looking out to where the waves are coming from and getting ready to catch a wave. Get the idea. Paul writes these words. He says to the church in Rome, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to get in the water with your board. <laughs> and to get in there and to just offer yourself to the sea. God's real. He's done the most amazing thing in that he came as Jesus, lived here on this earth, demonstrated the perfect life for us, showed us the way back to the Father, taught us that this broken world doesn't have to be the end of the story, that a new world and a new life is possible, call people to begin again, and then died on a cross. And in dying on the cross, he took the punishment for everything wrong that we have ever done before. And he makes a new beginning, a possibility, and a fresh start, which means freedom from the guilt and shame of all the things that we've done wrong, and freedom from the punishment that was coming our way eternally for the wrong things that we've done. There may well still be consequences in this world and we live with the reality and the outcomes of the things that we've done. We don't get saved from that. But the truth is that with God, we get this new slate because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then three days after he was buried, on the third day rather after he was buried, he rises again. And in doing so, he defeats death. He puts on the victor's crown that we were singing about, a really brilliantly chosen song. He's the victor. He's won. He has overcome this world. And the worst thing that the world could ever do to him, which was kill him, he overcame it. And so he then continued in his risen self to live amongst people. And he continued to encourage them and inspire them and teach them. For 40 days, he was doing that. And then the moment came where he ascended into heaven to be with Father. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit falls. And when it falls, it makes the most incredible commotion. You've got to take your mind back to 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, and it's in the middle of one of the really big festivals. Like, you know, we have Easter and Christmas. For the Jews, they have Passover, and then they have 50 days after Passover, another celebration. 
and that 50 days after Passover, the celebration is because they were truly free. It's a, a weird numbers thing, but it's seven weeks, seven times seven. They were truly free. Passover is about being set free. They're celebrating their freedom. And on that day, while Jerusalem is packed with these people who are celebrating that God gives freedom, the Holy Spirit falls on this handful of believers. Well, quite a big handful, 120 of them. 200, that sort of number. And they're there, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they see what appear to be tongues of fire. They hear what sounds like a rushing wind. They begin to sing in other languages. They begin to praise God. And people from all over the world hear what they're singing, hear what they're praising, and they hear them in their own language. And so they say, as I said recently, I'm repeating myself, just said this a Sunday ago, uh, they hear, and then they hear these people, and they say, what on earth is going on here? What on earth is going on here? And out comes Peter and he preaches this incredible message. And the message he preaches, well, I summarize it this way. God sent Jesus into the world and you killed him. You're in big trouble. He kind of finishes it like this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made Jesus, whom you crucified, the Lord and the Messiah. In other words, he's the one that's got all the authority and he's the one that God had meant to come and save all his people. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 in one day, hearing that message. You kill Jesus and you're in big trouble with God. Jesus is Lord and Messiah, but you crucified him. And so they say, well, what must we do? How on earth do we get safe now? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Paul says, I urge you to make your body, the whole of you, all that you are, every part of you, your physical being, but also all the stuff that goes on inside, your shape, take your shape. Take those spiritual gifts God's given you. Take your heart with all of the things that drive you, all those passions, those desires to see the good things happen, the causes and concerns, the people who your ear pricks up when you hear them mentioned because you long for a better outcome for them. Take your heart, take your abilities, those things that you've just always been able to do just like that, natural propensity, it's amazing. People are staggered when they see you do it and they kind of hate you sometimes. Those abilities, but also the abilities that you've spent the whole of your life getting better at. You didn't get born being able to do a bookkeeping. You learned that and you learned it well. You didn't get born being able to perform surgery. You learned that and you learned it well. You didn't get born being able to teach. You learned that and you learned it well. You see what I'm saying? Take your abilities, take your personality. Yes, that weird part of you. <laughs> The bit that people don't understand. But you're wired the way you're wired. Take that. And then those experiences, those things that you thought were going to harm you and would nowhere, nothing could ever come from them, 
and those wonderful things that have shaped you and have given you that desire that others would come to know a better life, all those experiences, and you find that as you offer them to God, Paul says, make it a sacrifice, make it a daily sacrifice. In other words, surrender it to him, just dedicate it to him, give it to him, put it in his hands. Paul says, as you do that, then you'll know what his will is. And Peter's saying the same thing. He says, look, here's Jesus. He came. He's the Lord and the Messiah, but you killed him. And they say, so what on earth do we do? And Peter says, it's time for a fresh start and a new beginning. I think for all of us in this room, whether we've been following Jesus for five minutes or five years, or, or even if we're just like curious right now, there's a fascination because our friends are changing and we don't quite grasp it. Maybe there's not quite faith yet. For all of us, there's an invitation from Jesus today, which is, will you just offer it all to him? Will you have a fresh beginning and a fresh start? Will you dedicate yourself fresh over so that he can use our lives? Will you pick up the board and get in the water and then wait for the wave? Wait for the wave to come and jump on it and see where it takes us. Peter says to those first followers, Here's how you make your beginning, and it's just the beginning. The first thing you do is you repent. It's an old-fashioned word, repent. Here's the easiest way to understand it. If we were a group of Roman soldiers, and we were off on a march, and the guy leading us, because it was always a guy with the Romans, sexist bunch that they were, if he decided we were heading in the wrong direction, he wanted us to turn around, he would shout out a word, and that word would be, repent. And what we'd do if we heard that word and we were marching is we'd stop, We'd turn around, we'd change direction, and we'd head off in the other way. That's what repentance means. It means we realize we've come to a place in our lives where we need to stop. This is strong, don't worry. I sit on here every week, I know it's strong. Where we need to stop. We've just got to come to that point of saying, okay, I'm going to stop. And in this moment, this moment of reality, this moment of being completely in the present right now, I'm saying, I'm going to stop. God is real. Oh my goodness. It changes everything. And the second part of that is then to repent and say, I'm changing my direction. I'm going to go a different way. I've been heading this way the whole of my life. And let me clue you in. If you haven't yet turned to God, it's a direction away from him. Repentance means to turn and start walking towards him. I'm going to change the direction in my life and start walking towards God. Repent. Put your faith in Jesus, says Peter. This is really specific. Peter isn't just saying, look, God's real, and that's it. He's more than that. He's saying Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. You've got to come to him. Some of us in our lives have cried out for help from a higher power. I want to tell you, the real help is found in Jesus and him alone. Jesus is the one who comes, and it's faith in Jesus that saves. Repent, but I trust in our faith in Jesus. And then be baptized. Not wait 10 years and be baptized. <clears throat> I'm not having a go at anybody. I'm just in case there's anybody else here. Just in case there's anybody else here who hasn't done it yet. It's the start of something, you see. For some of us, we thought it's the end of something. I'm on my journey and I've found Jesus and I've got myself sorted out and my life's heading in the right direction. Finally, I'm good enough to get baptized. Let me clue you in. You're never good enough to get baptized. We just won't ever be. We just won't ever be. 
Last week we were in York and we went, and outside York Minster, some of you will have seen that there's a statue to Constantine the Great. And Constantine the Great didn't get baptized until he was on his deathbed. Do you know why? He had really bad theology. <laughs> and his really bad theology was this. If I get baptized and then I sin, then somehow my sin will have negated the baptism as though we were stronger than God. <laughs> what baptism is about, it's about a beginning, not an end. These four folks getting baptized today are saying, all they're saying is this. They're saying, I've come to that place in my life of stopping and saying, I've been living my way and I'm now accepting Jesus and living his way. And to mark that I've done that, I'm going through this water. But it is water. We don't just kind of act something out, we put them in water and you know why? Because you want them to know that they're washed and that they're washed clean. All the guilt, all the shame, anything from our past life, the stuff that kind of lingers around and causes us to feel messy. We go through the waters of baptism, it's acting out a very real thing. It's been washed away. It's a new beginning. The old is gone, it's just washed away. Don't any of you try and come to them and say, but you're getting baptized today, but didn't you do that when you were 17? It's washed away. Consequences might not be. There might be all kinds of things in our lives because of the wrong things that we've done, but the guilt, the shame, anybody holding that over us anymore, it's just washed away. I'm not doing a big bath up here, by the way. We're doing a hole in the ground. There will come a time when there's another hole in the ground that some of us will go into, our burial. And Paul says that baptism is a bit like a burial too. He says, we were baptized... And when we were baptized, it was like we were acting out what happened to Jesus, that he was buried and then he raised again. And we're going to bury these folks today. (gasps) They won't be under there very long, don't worry. But we are going to kind of put them under the water, all the way under, and then pull them back out again. Because just as they were buried with Jesus, they'll be risen again with Jesus, we hope. I've not lost anybody yet. They're marking this beginning. They're marking this incredible thing God's done. They're marking that the old life has gone, that the new life has come. It's a fresh beginning. And they're doing it really publicly. They've invited you today because they want you to witness it and they want you to hear it and they want you to see it. This is their public declaration that their lives are now dedicated to him. If you like, they've jumped on the board and now they're ready to go through the water. What about you? What about you today? I'm not going to invite you to get baptized, don't worry. But in this moment, this very real moment, you know, just kind of like feel your feet on the ground or on the platform up there. Just feel it. You're here. This is where you are right now. What's, what's going on in your life right now? Where's Jesus in your life right now? Is it time? Is it time for you to say, Actually, I need to come to the end of myself and say, life this way, journeying away from God isn't working. It's time to stop and start heading towards him. Who knows? Next month we could be opening this pool again for you. And it could be that soon. It really could. But I want to challenge each of us. Maybe some of us have already been through this water. And the challenge then is to hear Paul's words, have you offered all that you are, your entire shape, everything that is you, all of it, have you put it on the altar and surrendered it to God 
and said, God, it is yours. Do with it what you will. A bit later, I'll remind you of this, but if today is your day, and if today is the day you want to do that for the very first time, then I do want to give you a little booklet, and I want to pray with you personally today. And just, uh, But you can't take one of these unless you talk to me, and I pray with you. That's the deal. I'm going to give you a freebie. You let me pray for you. That's how it works. And it's a little booklet that explains the whole story of Jesus, real simply. And I want you to have that today, if you're here and you've never followed him. If you're ready to make that beginning, then I really want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you today if you kind of, kind of drifted a little bit. Maybe baptized years and years ago and you're not in that place of saying, do you know what, I'm dedicating it all to him. Maybe today is a day for you to say, I'm giving it all to him afresh. We're going to pray a few times this morning. What's going to happen now, I'm going to pray just kind of to round off what I've been sharing. And then I'm going to invite up one at a time our four baptism candidates who are going to come and share a bit of their story. What you need to do is smile and be lovely and to welcome them as they share their stories, but also to listen and listen out for what God's going to say in these stories. Because I think in these stories, God's going to be speaking to some of you too. So let me pray, and then I'm going to invite the first of our baptism candidates to come and share a bit of her story with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have made us, us, that this is who we are, and that you have a unique purpose for each of us. You have a plan for our lives. And Lord, I pray For those of us who've been following you for a long time, first of all, that you would help us to remember what we said at baptism and to follow you, to offer to you all of our lives, all that we are. Lord, we offer to you our shape and everything that you've already put within us. And Lord, just as we've been thinking of this image of jumping into the waves, Lord, take us and take us deeper into the water. Lord, give us daring to to trust you, to surrender ourselves to the wave and to catch a good wave. And Lord, I pray that today you would draw us closer and closer to yourself. And Lord, I want to pray today for those perhaps who are just at the stage of saying they want to follow you. The fascination is beginning to turn into faith. Lord, I pray that today you would speak to them and encourage them. And Lord, even later on as we pray, again, they would find a new life and a new beginning right here, right now in this place. And for those who aren't in those places, uh, maybe far away from you and not sure what's happening, Lord, would you be close to them? And would you reveal who you are and let Jesus become their fascination? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is the order we're going to do it. We're going to welcome Helen up first, and then Sue, then Richard, and then Stacy. So Helen, why don't you come and join me? I've told them all they have to smile. Yeah, up here. They can see you then, you see. And, uh, and here's the microphone for the use. I wasn't a dick, I promise. Small joke at your expense. Okay, nice and close and then they'll be able to hear Oh, well, I'm here. (laughs) This is all right. 
I won't look up there because I'll laugh, because that's all my lot sitting up there. And when you get the surfboard out, they're all surfers. And even last night, Daniel and Jay were comparing sizes of the next surfboard they're going to buy for this season. So it does tie in today. Touch closer. Right, basically, I started with Christian life at Worldmead, from nursery, right the way through, Juco's, Covenanters. Um, so, yeah, it's been a long time. Came here, got married here in 1999, so that was the last time I was standing on this bit. Um, I had both my boys, Matthew and Callum, that are sitting up there. Um, we did the buttons, the toddler church, and was involved with the church then. Um, then, oh, we're going to skip a lot of this. Basically, my husband was a long-distance lorry driver. No, he wasn't. He was an HGV lorry driver. He's never been long-distance in his life. <laughs> anyway, he went to work one morning, um, and he was delivering to Summerfield in Ilford, and he got attacked. Um, had a serious head injury. Uh, came home a year later. Um, but he ended up developing epilepsy. Um, and he had some really bad seizures. Um, that then led to him losing his HGV licence, losing his job. Um, basically, at the time, we thought we'd lost everything. We had the boys, we had the house, and that was it. Those of you that know me from the church know that, obviously, Neil and Ellie and a lot of the regulars, Ruth, Rosie, Jill, Catherine, if I name you all, Claudia, have all been there. And if I've missed anyone, I'm really sorry. Um, have all been there, because as time went on, Steve retrained went into tiling, set up his own business, and the long and short of it is, in, on July the 9th, he went to work and sadly had a massive seizure and he died that evening. And it was, it was strange, because it was the evening of the, I don't know, it was Hell's Fire, Heaven's Gate thing here at church. And my sister had desperately been trying to get hold of Neil, nobody could get hold of Neil, finally got hold of Neil, and he came straight up to the hospital and he was with us. Um, he was with us the whole evening. And then two weeks later, he obviously did the funeral service. So that's that bit. And obviously, I've been on my own since then uh, with my boys. They were sort of, they were two and five then. So they're now, Matthew's 18 in November, Callum's 14. So it's been a long time. Um, tying into the story today, it's, it's trying to find something where it was a, not a life-changing moment, but a, a God moment, if if that's what you want to say, and it ties in with the fact that we all went on a family holiday up to Wales. Mum and Dad have got a caravan there, it's on the Gower. Amazing beaches, surfing beaches, kids love it. This particular day, Matthew and Lauren decided they wanted to go out to the sea. Great. We always watch them. Me and my mum walk down to the sea, and as we're getting nearer, we can see Lauren and Matthew calling, saying, we're stuck, we can't get out, we can't get out. So, obviously, panic station sets in. Mum and the other two boys run to sort of get help. I dived into the sea to try and get them. I'll give you a laugh. I was wearing a bikini. It wasn't pretty. I wasn't planning on swimming that day. But, um, anyway, the further I got out to them, we realised that all three of us were stuck and we couldn't get in. And, basically, we'd been caught in a riptide. We didn't know that at the time. We've learned that after. But being caught in a riptide is like being sucked into a hoover when as fast as you're going that way, you're being pulled and sucked under. And we were in serious trouble. On a beach like that, there's no rescue services. There was nothing going to come out and get us. We was on our own. Um, 
finally Matthew and Lauren managed to get themselves in to a point where they were standing because we'd been taken out of our depth and I didn't think I was going to make it. I really did think I was gone. Um, and it just got to the point where I thought, the kids have lost their dad, they're now going to lose their mum. And at that point, I must have sh shouted, screamed, called, whatever. Lauren backs me up with this. It was either God save me, God help me, God help us, whatever. It was just... And within that instance, it was like I was picked up and moved to a point where I could actually touch the floor enough to get myself in to be rescued by the rest of the family. Obviously, everyone was in bits at the side of the beach. Um, we was all in shock. It really affected everybody. And I was sort of sitting there thinking, has this really just happened? I was at a point where I really was done. I really thought I'd gone to the point that I'd been lifted and moved. You know, and I, I, it was like I wanted a sign. I was testing with myself. I need a sign. I need something to prove that this has really happened. That God's really worked with me. And I was sort of digging my hand in the sand, thinking, just show me something, show me something. And I know some of you may think it's strange, but that was, that was the stone that I found by the sand. And over the years, it's been on my windowsill. I've told people, I know Bethan knows this story and other people have heard it. It sits on my windowsill. It's never faded. It's never changed. It's always there as a reminder of how God has worked in my life and my family's life, especially on that day when really he saved all of us. That's it. The, uh, oh, there we go. You can have a look later on. We'll just leave it up here for now. Is that all right? If people can have a little look. That's fair. Um, God is amazing, and so we come to be baptized in response to him. I'm going to get Sue. Why don't you two come up together for moral support? How about that? Sue and Richard, come up together. Let's give them a nice welcome as they come up. I'm going to get Sue to share first and then, uh, and then get Richard to share after. But if you guys, I think moral support's a good thing. And I know you were a bit nervous about it today. So there you go. Two big men next to you. They can't take you. We've got your back. There you go. This really is just sort of short and sweet, so go ahead. Um, growing up, I didn't have faith. My parents were religious. But yet on family holidays, we always visited churches and cathedrals. I found them peaceful and inspiring places. I can remember the tranquility I felt being in God's house, secure from the world's noise. Over the past few years, I've endured some particularly nasty changes. The world's worst being denied access to our beautiful granddaughters, Chloe and Ellie. I felt lost, I felt angry, and I kept blaming myself for the situation. When I passed here, I always felt that God was calling me, and as if he wanted me to see that I would find hope in him. Over time, the urge grew stronger, and I recognised that I needed help. We sometimes come, we started coming here, but I still felt weighed down by the sadness of not seeing the girls, and I was still holding on to the past. Recently, Jonathan was talking about living for today, 
And we read the verse Isaiah 43:18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. I felt that Christ was speaking directly to us. I felt a great weight lift off me, the anger I felt and the blame I put on myself for the past was washed away. I felt able to live for now, to let the future take care of itself and to have hope. This is reflected in my favourite verse, Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Being baptised today is to say sorry for all my mistakes, failing to meet his standards, to celebrate my commitment to Christ and thank him for allowing me to move forward. I want to serve God and show others that eternal hope and forgiveness are with him. Today I close the door to my past, open the door to my future, take a deep breath a step through to a new life. I have always had a faith since I can remember, but I kept it to myself and I went through, went through the motions. I actually thought I was a good Christian because I knew a couple of Bible verses and I hadn't killed anybody. So for years I plodded on and I carried on like this, only praying when things got rough or when I wanted something. I was a lazy, self-absorbed, part-time Christian asking for a full-time God. And inevitably over time, my faith and I drifted apart. My journey back to Christ began probably about six or seven years ago during a very rough time. I let things get on top of me. And I wasn't coping. I, I was verging on becoming depressed. And I found myself adrift in a very dark sea. During my lowest moments, I remember sensing that Christ was speaking to me, reminding me that he'd always been there. He hadn't left me. I found comfort in this, and so I turned back to my faith. I downloaded the Version Bible app, and I started using the reading plans to guide me through it. The more I read, the more it made sense to me. The Bible changed from being this big ancient book to being relevant to how I feel and how I want to live my life now. I knew then that I'd found the answers I was looking for. Now that I've put my faith, my faith in and trust in Christ alone, I'm still me, still me with the same old problems, but today I know I can face anything. Nothing is impossible. I'm being baptized today to show my lifelong commitment to Christ to thanking for pulling me back from the brink of my abyss and for giving me a check, second chance and to be forgiven and cleansed. I'd like to finish by quoting 2 Corinthians 5.17 The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And then Stacy's hiding away. Come and join us, Stacy. Well done, guys. Great job. Stacy's brought a book. <laughs> Make yourself comfortable. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you. I'm really nervous. <laughs> Thank you.
Hello, everyone. Oh, hey. Well, I was brought up in a family where we called it a self-CV, although we didn't really attend church unless it was for weddings or funerals. Bar me, my mum used to send me there every Wednesday and Sunday, not so I could worship Jesus, but so she can have a break from me. <laughs> Anyone that knows me knows that I'm a bit of a chatterbox. Now I have three girls of my own, and I completely understand why I sent. <laughs> I have fond memories of the church I grew up in. I was taught to the morals of Jesus, and I did my best to live by them. Over the years, these morals became blurred and distant, and I substituted his words for my own. Surprisingly, life started to deteriorate, but Jesus never left me. Over the years, he tried his best to keep me on the path he had set for me, but I ignored him, and for years I believed my path, my path sorry, and my ideas were better than his. Every time I went to do something Jesus had not planned for me, he put up barriers and gave me warning signs, and yet I still ignored them time and time again. But still he never gave up on me, even when I felt I was not worthy of his love. I mean, he has so many people to watch over, why would I be of any importance? I tried to give up on life, but Jesus made it impossible for me to do so. I felt like I had a team of angels around me protecting me from hurting myself and those around me that I loved. I prayed to God and asked him to forgive me for any wrongs I had done, intentionally or unintentionally, and asked him to quiet my mind, the voices, and to only hear his voice. I made a declaration to him that no longer I belong to anyone but him, and I said the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I continue to pray every day, asking for guidance, understanding, and patience. God answered me with my eyes finally open to see all that he'd given me, a wonderful family, friends who are here with me today. They all had a part in guiding me back to Jesus, knowingly or unknowingly. I feel so grateful Jesus never gave up on me, and today I say goodbye to the old Stacy and welcome the new Stacy. I stand here nervous and excited to hand myself fully over to Jesus and begin the journey he had always planned for me. Thank you. Wow. Isn't God good? He just is. It's amazing. I love those stories. Thank you, friends, for sharing them.